The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Oh, guns up! Giddy up, y'all. Giddy up, y'all. There it is. Welcome to Failure to Stop podcast the number one show where police meet society and culture and as always folks if you like the content that we deliver smash the like button hammer the subscribe button but it's night shift baby we're bringing you it's tuesday night it's the show where the beautiful the elegant andrea up up late brings us all the gruesome murder and mayhem of true crime on a Tuesday night, and I couldn't be more excited for her to be here tonight because today I've been in the studio. You know, we're up in our YouTube game. We're up in our YouTube content, which means that uh, Drew Breezy, myself, Mike the Cop, you know, we're, we're putting lots of content on YouTube. And today I went scorched earth on a uh, very disappointing sheriff out of Baxter County, Texas. And, uh, you know, I need a pick me up tonight. And so there's nothing more that gets my juices flowing than a good murder story. Mm. Is that mm-hmm. shitty of me? Does that make me a bad human being? <clears throat> no. I mean, there is a thing. There is a thing in the true crime community where they just despise guys like me because they're like, oh, you're not taking the crime serious. Look, I worked in law enforcement for a hot minute, seen a lot of dead right. people. It's no disrespect to them. It's just the way of remembering I think it's, the, it's, you know, and it's the, so that's why I think it's great to come at it from, Caught perspective, right? But also, I think for anyone, no matter what your background, there's just if you're interested in this kind of thing, it's not because of disrespect, it's because of like just this intrigue or this like so many cases are it could have happened to anybody. And I think it just piques our interest of, you know, things to think about or, or why did that happen or how did that happen to that person, right? And I feel like I learned something every episode. Yeah. I feel like I learned something every episode. Well, we've had a really great week. We had the, uh, we had the challenge on the Instagrams for Andrea Uplate's Instagram oh, handle. Let me, if let me pull up what you picked real quick as you're talking because we didn't. Do you have it? I, no, I don't. I, okay, I I'll pick it. I'll get bring it, it up. It. Um, but if you submitted, so we're sponsored by Manscaped. Today's show is brought to you by Ghostbed forward slash Wolfpack and also Manscaped. But we got these two Manscaped packages to give away. But we want to give it to somebody who needs it. So we we said to send us a picture that represents your bush or send a picture of your bush to Andrea Uplate. And we would figure out which one needs trim the most. And you guys delivered some hilarious content over the week of bush. So many. So it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like looking at all that bush? Has it changed your perception as being like a single woman? Are you? scorned by this is it are you are you no, by it? maybe i'm more intrigued like i mean you want more bush now I, don't say that because our sponsor is manscaped we need them to be shaving these things that's true that's true uh yeah i don't i don't hate it we've, we've gotten some good things here and thankfully everyone again was uh um they didn't take you you know literally at, at your Damn. word I know. I was I was expecting like to see some real bush in there, but everybody kept it pretty respectful. I think that kind of though you might like you're using me as the scapegoat, right? Yeah. yeah. But just send them to Eric, guys. That's what he really wants. <laughs> listen, listen. I get that shit every day. 
Every day, people are sending me wild shit. People I've never met in my life send oh. me the most disgusting and foul things. Don't believe it. Porno stuff, midget stuff, funny stuff, fucked up stuff. I get never. you name it. It comes through my messages. It doesn't, guys. He's not. Nope. nope. Well, for now on, they'll be forwarded to you. So you will see all of them. Yeah. Uh, but we had a contest. So who, who do you think who, who won? Are you choosing who won? Um, I'm letting you pick, but I think we kind of had the same consensus, right? Do you mean show it? Yeah, go ahead, show it. I don't know what you're gonna show, but go ahead. Oh, I think it's is the it same my one bush? you picked. Nah, because I'm smooth as a baby. Don't have bottom a picture of your there. bush on my phone. Thank Jesus, from whom all blessings flow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready? Oh, uh, there. Oh, okay. So you're gonna go with uh the old school bush. Which is Bush from the band Bush. That would be, um, what's his name? Roslyn? Roslyn? Gavin Rosdale. Gavin Get Rosdale. Oh, I knew it started with an R. Gavin Rosdale. Hey, speaking of Gavin Rosdale, <laughs> Trail. There's a reason we with... picked that. Well, true. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was ironic because we're going to go see them next week, but we're not only going to see them, we're not going to see them. They're playing with Allison Chains, but we are going as the private guest of Jason, Jason Roush. Roush from, uh, Breaking Benjamins. So he's just the one Benjamin. Us... It's just one Benjamin. Dude, listen, he's all the Breaking Benjamins. You can't have a Breaking Benjamins, Breaking Benjamin. Can't have any men's or man's or any of that without a badass guitarist like Jason. What did so, you call him? I'm excited to be him the other day. They're like the keyboard player from Nickelback. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, so, so I like, I know they have a show tonight, so that he's not listening to the show. Thank God. Um, but I, I am ordering a uh, T-shirt online this week, a Nickelback T-shirt. Yes. And I'm going to wear it backstage with them. So yes. I'll be back there with a the Nickelback. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So we're going to go with that guy as the winner because he chose the uh Well, it fits, right? Like that's where we're That is a funny go. bush and it's current. It's current. Fair enough. What's, that, who's, like, what's that guy's name? We're going to hang out with, we're going to hang out with Jason. He's been nothing but amazing. And then I'm probably going to brush Gavin Rosdale's hair a little bit. Um, so is that what? Gross. Gross. Um, grow up. That was, uh, that was Kyle crime. Hickman. You're a, a Kyle Hickman? Yeah, that sent that Kyle one. Kyle Hickman. Well, congratulations, Kyle Hickman. You're going to receive a Manscaped 4.0 package. But I still have more Manscaped stuff to give away, folks. I've got some uh, some T-shirts. So I'll come up with something unique to give out the T-shirts. Um, all right. Well, what do we have on the true crime docket for tonight? Let's yeah. dive into some deep, yeah. dark, dirty murder and mayhem. Um, so guys, this is a case from 1986 out of New Mexico. Um, it's one that's been on Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, it's been around for a while. So if you're unfamiliar, because I was, Gallup, New Mexico uh, is close to Arizona, kind of near the Arizona border there. There's lots of uh hey rip pack there's lots rip of pack is in the is in the chat real quick i forgot to put this caveat out there for those of you who are listening on podcast we are a live youtube show we do hey. have paid members in the youtube chat as well as a uh, peasant peasant uh chatters as well those are the unpaid chatters um but anytime somebody drops a super chat 
or uh, one of our paid subscribers throws out a comment, we sometimes like to put it up on the screen. You know, it's mainly for our YouTube viewers, but sometimes Andrea likes to go, oh, hey, Ripack. By the way, use that promo code. Uh, Ripack actually came in huge. We had the meetup in Jacksonville and we had a, a great turnout. Great twerk out, uh, turnout. Um, a bunch of friends out there. A guy Met named a Scott. Uh, twerk out, really. Um, okay. But it was at Alan Girls Cigar Bar. I had a great time. Drew Breezy was with me. and uh, But I had driv- I had to drive from 4 o'clock in the morning all the way through to get there. Didn't take a quick nap and everything. So anyway, Rip Pack saved my britches. Um, because I just, oh, you couldn't uh, brush your teeth? No, because I didn't really want it was raining. It was like just pouring rain. And right. I got out of my truck and ran inside and I didn't want to unload my bag and all my shit in the rain because my laptop's in there and everything else. So I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I've got some rip pack in the door. I'll freshen up with some rip pack. And that way I can take a shower and do all the things without having to get my bag out of the, the car in the rain. So thank you, yeah. rip pack. And uh, that promo code is still good. I believe it's wolf pack. It is. My kids have actually been, uh, using them constantly which if you can get a kid that age to do anything pro hygiene it's a win so thanks rip back we all thank you for that uh so gallup new mexico again a lot of um bordering navajo reservations around this town the family we're going to talk about uh grew up in the uh, probably like the poorest part of gallup gallup was a railroad town not not a whole lot going on there. Um, population of about 18,000 at the time. So we're going to be talking about Anthonette Cayadito. Um, a little girl who was nine at the time. She was born in 76 uh, on Christmas Day, actually. She went missing in April of 1986. So let's talk about it. So she went missing on Christmas Day. No, no. She was born on Christmas. Oh, she was born on Christmas Day. Yeah. Do we know what Anthonette means by chance? Nope. Is Anthonette like some kind of Hispanic word for angel? You know, after last week's name debacle. (laughs) Cleotha? Dude, my Cleotha has not stopped itching since that episode. I totally sent you. <laughs> I love the awkward silences <laughs> that I give you. Because on here, I yeah, I get a little, I just look at you, but. Yeah. For those of you who are just listening, whenever I say stupid shit, she looks at me with these very scowling eyes and I am put in my place immediately. I'm less speechless. She's not talking. And so it just gives you an awkward silence, but it's very entertaining on the YouTubes. Uh, the comments always make me laugh. Lumber Chef just said, we just broke Andrea. I'm here. I'm solid. Going strong. Uh, so, Antoinette Cayadito is her name. Born on Christmas Day again in 76. In April of 86, she goes missing. So, a little backstory. She was born to her mom, Penny Cayadito. And Penny is of Navajo descent. So, in this area of town, there's... We've got like um, a Hispanic population. We have a lot of the Native American population. It's kind of all sorts of things depending on what part of the city you're in. So there are reports that the dad is a man named Anthony, that Anthony, that gosh, Anthonette's father was Anthony Montoya, who was 
of Italian and Hispanic descent. So when when you read about this, he's named the father in a lot of things. But if you read a little farther, you learn that actually Larry Estrada uh, is named to be her father. So Penny and Larry were together. They had Anthonette. They then separated and mom went on to have two other girls, Sadie and Sadie and Wendy, who were uh, it was kind of like stair step. Like so if Anthonette was nine, they were like seven and five at this time in 1986. So mom was kind of she was single mom at this point because she got estranged from the younger girl's father as well. So she's single mom raising these three girls. She was known to kind of be a barfly. Uh, she would get a sitter and go out. Uh, and on this particular night of April 6th, or actually April 5th, she went out to a bar, had a sitter there with the girls. Now, it's kind of important to note that there's never been a lot mentioned of the sitter. We don't know a lot about who it was or, or anything like that. We just know that there was a sitter there. Uh, mom gets home around midnight that night. Not crazy late. Kids are still awake. She sends Sitter home. The accounts show a few different things. I think she was used to kind of letting them uh, do as they please a little. Like they were, you know, they stayed up. They stayed up pretty late with mom that night. Past, past, like they were home. They were open. She got home, right? And then we're up until reports say anywhere from one to maybe even almost three o'clock in the morning. So they all Why is that bed. such a thing in low-income areas? Like, if you go to any low-income part of the town, like whether it be like a very low-income trailer park or a low-income government housing, there are kids out in the street at like two in the morning, still fucking around. It's like, dude, wh- why are these kids in bed? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen. I know that you did probably as a police officer driving around would see that. So, you know, I think that's fair. I'm not. I'm not driving around at two a.m. So nothing good happens after midnight. Gosh, I think my mom used to say 10. It's like, get <laughs> home. Just come on. <laughs> She's not wrong. Fair. No, <laughs> you know, on the age, not. it's not super wrong. So, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about my son texting this girl lately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Then your yeah. son just like turned like 13? Oh, yeah. The fact that I'm even here for a show is something that I feel like, I, I feel like, can I, can I get a trophy or something? Because... I, on Saturday, had my youngest boy and then my oldest boy, who was turning 13, along with four other 13-year-old boys, spend the night at this house. Sounds like a true crime story. It does. I'm still recovering. <laughs> this house will never be the same. Uh, they pulled an all-nighter, which was their goal, so they got, they won. Um, so, so mom's out. Comes home since since the sitter home. Kids are up late. There are different reports of like which kids slept in which bed. One or two of the girls would often sleep in mom's bed. So mom goes to bed. So do the three girls. And then as far as we know, anywhere they say between one and three a.m. Most reports say closer to three a.m. There was a knock at the door. So mom doesn't hear it. She sleeps through it, but the kids heard it. This will be an interesting point as we go on because then recollections kind of change, the stories change, but the initial report that the police were given um, or statement from the family was that mom was asleep, knock on the door, 
the other two, all three girls got up, but Antoinette is the one that went to the door. And when she went to the door, they, they say that it was overheard that someone said, Hey, it's uncle Joe, which I've already got a problem with this. Like, why is any, who's coming at 3am, but whatever. So says uncle Joe enough to familiarize Antoinette with a, you know, with a name to open the door. Uh, she was never seen again. Neighbors will later say they saw a brown van in the driveway. Again, they're up at 3 a.m. So I don't know. This is like the party block in Gallup. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. Um, so a little backstory on Antoinette. So like I said, she was nine. Sisters were seven and five. She was known to be, um, you know, pretty uh, mature beyond her years. She was the the adjectives that like mom, there's little, there's little Antoinette there. Uh, the adjectives that mom and dad would use for her would be uh, mature, caretaker, nurturer. They would also say things like uh, basically like she was kind of in charge. She was known at this age to already be cooking meals for her younger siblings. Um, well, I mean, it's like my son Duke. He's nine and he's mm-hmm. got three younger siblings and, and Duke can cook. Duke makes coffee every morning, but he's, he's much like most people don't know that he's not. They think he's a lot older because he's a lot more mature, but I mean, he I, does sorry, take on that. I interrupt role. you really fast because I try not to look at the chats too much. I get a little distracted, but I just caught where Hydro Man Blue said, Andrea can't be a grandma. Did, did we say that Hydro Man? Where are we going? With uh, one, she absolutely could be a grandmother. She's absolutely old enough to be a grandmother. Um, where did but that happen? She's, what happened? You're not, you're not a grandmother. Did you? I say that? No. You're going to be a grandmother because your son's on the phone. Okay, enough. We're going to stop right now. I'm le- love, we'll leave. I'll leave. Um, <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> shut, shut it up. <laughs> Dude, like what? Like three more years will be driving. Think about that. One, one step at a time. I can't even handle where we're at. Uh, so... So, I mean, I, I I can't imagine, though, like, she would go without a fight. You know, like. Well, so I... here's what, though, and we've talked about this. So if she thought that Uncle Joe, let's say, was at the door, she thought it was a relative. And she opens the door. She's tiny. So she stood about four foot seven, 55 pounds. Tiny. She's right. little. So it wouldn't take much once she's halfway physically out of the door right to subdue I mean, a grown man's hand over her face and it's done like she's not making a noise that's crazy know? that she opens the door and doesn't go wake up the mom at three in the morning but she also was kind of a little adult they actually called her a little adult and i think she probably felt probably felt the part yeah, i don't I think that, i don't know that she felt like she needed to go to mom for permission for these things and, and okay. to no fault of her own. I think that's just kind of how she was raised. Right. I think she was a help with the younger siblings. And I think that, you know, like if my kids here are knock on the door at 3 a.m., they're running to me. Terrible. Oh yeah. Mine, mine are too. Mine are like not answering yeah. that door. No way. Yeah, absolutely. So they, again, they, they talk about her just being like, so just kind of picture her that way that she, she was, um, Mature beyond her years, but like, I think some of it was her personality and some of it was the, her nurture, right? Was the way she was cared for and what she was kind of expected to do as well. 
So we then have, so that morning at 7 a.m., mom wakes up to get them ready. For, you know, she will, she will then also take them to Bible study. Um, she'll let them stay up all night, but then they're going to go to Bible study at 7 a.m. So she wakes them up around 7. That's when she notices that Anthonette is not there. She goes and starts looking, talking to neighbors. You guys, we've talked about this before with technology and phones and things. Again, they're not, we didn't even have like 911. And I've, I've looked it up. It's hard to find exactly a map of where 911 was in this moment. Like did Gallup, New Mexico have 911 um, in 1986? Uh I'm going to say no. I could be wrong. I'm going to say no just based off of some of the things I read and the maps of where it followed. I'm not sure that that would have been one that got it that early on. They also did not have a house phone. Uh, so had she even called 911, if it were available, it would have been from a neighbor's house. So she goes to different neighbors' homes uh, looking for Anthonette. This takes a while. And finally around 11, she alerts uh, law enforcement. They come out, take a full statement. This is when they talk to the sisters. They talk to the mom. They talk to the neighbors. Uh, and don't get a whole lot other than what I just said, that there was a knock at the door. The three girls kind of go. They hear someone say it's Uncle Joe. She's never to be seen again. So five years later, Wendy, Wendy is the youngest sibling. She was five years old at the time. So when Wendy is 10, she discloses uh, to police that she actually, when Anthonette opened the door, she heard the Uncle Joe as well. But when Anthonette opened the door, uh, she saw two men uh, forcefully grab Anthonette and, and put her against her will into this van, this brown van, and drive away. She will go on to say that she felt she's 10 years old giving this statement and it happened when she was five. Okay. When they asked her why she had no, had never said this before, uh, her reasoning was that uh, her mother had been so distraught and upset during this time, understandably so, but that she also didn't, she number one, didn't think people would believe her. And she was almost scared to uh, poke the bear, if you will. Like she didn't want to do anything to further upset her mother. So there's been a lot of talk on that. Like how, how likely do you think that that's true? Is this a story that she was then told to say? Uh, we'll get into that. Is this something that she had a memory that she suppressed? Did she remember it the whole time? And she finally felt free to say it. And, uh, there's a couple different camps, right? There's the one that says, if I were five years old when that happened, I would be terrified. I'm immediately tell mom, I can't go back to bed, you know, whatever. There's another camp that says, well, she could have been so terrified, right? She could have been so traumatized that she she didn't. We can parallel this case a little bit to a few others. And I'll let you say whatever's on your mind right now. But if you guys remember Elizabeth Smart, there are a few times when we're going to run a bit of a parallel with the Elizabeth Smart case, who was a child taken um, from her home that eventually was recovered and, and, and came home uh, in an interesting way. But her sister later said, now she didn't wait five years, but she did wait, I think it was around five hours. When Elizabeth was taken, she saw her being taken. She woke up in her bed. And it wasn't until many hours later, I, I say five, it could have been two. Either way, it was not immediately. She did not, not get up and go alert mom and dad that sister's been taken. She said she was so paralyzed with fear yeah. 
that she stayed in the bed for at least two or three more hours and then find then told mom and dad what she had seen. So, you know, take from this what you will in terms of if you believe what Wendy said or how she came about this notion. Yeah, I, I so not the story I was planning on telling tonight, but uh, one night my wife and I put the kids to bed and we went back to our bed chambers and I lured her in there and we made very passionate, uh, loud love. And when we got done, I got up to uh, turn the bathroom light off in the hallway. Okay. The kids used for a nightlight. Oh gosh, I know this. And my, I hear from the bedroom, dad. And I was like, oh, what's up, buddy? Are you awake? Dad, I thought something awful was happening in your room. I heard a bad guy in there and I heard you going, uh, uh, and I heard mom going, uh, uh, and I thought a bad guy, what's happening to you guys? And I said, oh, bud, we were watching a scary movie. We only have a TV. Not actually, actually, it's not scary, but we were watching a scary movie in our room. And, uh, but I went in there to like give him a hug. He was trembling, like, like physically trembling. And I felt so bad. But I was like, well, why, you know, the next day, um, I was like, hey, man, uh, you still, you're okay from last night? And he said, yeah, but please don't ever watch that scary movie again. What was it? And I just like made up some, what, a title or whatever. But I said, uh, I said, man, you, you didn't, uh, you didn't want to come fight the bad guy? He was like, I just buried my head in my pillow and covered my ears and just wanted it to go away. That's what I so said. So how do I had not. House. Had I not gotten up to turn the light off, I don't think he would ever spoke of it. He would have went to sleep. He would have stayed in that pillow with it over his ears until he fell asleep, which is what most little kids would do in a very traumatic situation like that. Sure. I think, I think it's fair either way. I, I think either way could could work, you know, that uh, because we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to dive into mom a little bit more. I think that it's. Hmm. Oh, hey, oh. Uh, I think that it's not. A far reach to think that maybe mom um, just I'm not saying she had anything to do with this. There are some speculations of that we'll talk about. But, you know, I, I could see maybe the children being coached through some things, some narratives. But I can also see the child just honestly being traumatized. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, coaching a kid's I, I think you can I think a good a detective can probably coax that out of a kid if he's been coached. But um, mm. no, I think that kids just. No, I, I think that is real. I mean, my five-year-old dude, I can't imagine what would happen if he saw something like super crazy. I mean, I, I don't even know. Um, you know, that's an equally heartbreaking side of the story, right? Like if 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 the child actually witnessed that, uh, we'll talk about her God, and her yeah. her um oh, there's a mosquito. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Charles. I can't handle it. Uh so so that's what happened. And so that was Wendy, the the very youngest. Uh, sister um so that's pretty much it like in terms of what happened right then uh acutely in the home uh at the time of the the when Antoinette went missing so we have some possible sightings these things happen we know over the years especially with an unsolved case you know cops are getting people are getting calls and tips and things and it might go you know, kind of get quiet for a while and, and ramp back up with media attention. Uh, if you guys are just listening, we have got a picture up right now. And this was the missing persons banner of Anthonette. 
uh, on the left is a picture of her uh, when she went missing. And then on the right is uh, an age progression photo. Uh, so super sad. So about a year after she disappeared, uh, the Gallup Police Department got a phone call from someone who said, do you, are we going to have this, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who said that she was Anthonette. Uh, she said that she was in Albuquerque. We're going to play the call. It's uh, it's total of 40 seconds, but we only have anyone only has 29 seconds. I think 29 seconds is all that there were uh, words in. So it's a, it's a little muffled, but you'll you'll get the gist and just know that it's a little tough. Uh, this is coming off of like one of our craziest episodes of a Friday Breakdown. We had Drew Breezy on that talked about dispatch. A dispatch, yeah. And so this is a call that dispatch would get and this guy's or girl or whoever answers the call has to live with this the rest of their life. Absolutely. I'll, I'll go ahead and play it for you. If you want to, we might play that again. I want to hear your gut reaction since you've not watched or read about this. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you listen to a man or a woman say, who told you you could be on the phone? Uh, you want me to play it again and see if I can hear that? Sure. All right. Police department. Hello. I'm Anthony Wow, I did, I did hear it. It sounded like a female's voice, though. See, I thought so, too. It sounds um, like a female's voice that said, who said you could be on the phone? Mm -hmm. I thought oh. so, too. Is, is there a lot of other people that think the same thing? That it's a female's voice? Most of the things that you read say male. But then the first time I heard it without reading, like I heard that before I read about the case or read more into it. And I immediately, oh, mosquito. I immediately thought woman. But then yeah. when I was reading more and more and more, uh, it kept saying, and then you can hear a male voice saying you have, you know, who told you that you could be on the phone. And I, the first thing I thought of was, I thought that was a woman. And yeah. so then when I've been listening to some other podcasts or different things about it, I'm now hearing, you know, a few people saying that they think it was a woman as well. I, I, I don't know. Uh, to me, that that was my initial gut reaction was was woman. And I know that it's a terrible um, uh you know, it's not a great quality, much like my camera currently. Uh, it's not a great quality, but uh, yeah, it sounded like a woman to me. So that was a 911 call. Like I said, it, the total calls about 40 seconds with words that last for about 29. Anthonette's mother did listen to the call eventually uh, when that, like I said, this was about a year after she disappeared. And she, she would say that it sounded like Anthonette's voice to her. Uh, then things get really quiet for about four more years. And then uh, four years later, there's a waitress in Carson City that's in uh, Nevada. And she thought she saw Anthonette. There are still um, missing posters and things like that. At this point, there were some age progression renderings. 
this has been five years since it happened. Anthonette would have been 14. And this waitress said that there was a girl in her early teens who showed up to the restaurant with a man and a woman who, in her words, looked unkempt. That the little girl, the young teen, kept trying to get uh, make eye contact with her. And kind of continued, if you're listening or watching, this is a picture Eric put up that is a uh, an age progression photo to, I think uh, 2018 is when this one was done, what they, what they would say that she looks like at this point. So the waitress said that Antoinette was dropping silverware, but like to the point that it was, uh, seemed odd. Mm -hmm. It seemed like too much. And more than once the waitress bent down to help her pick up whatever she had dropped and the child squeezed her wrist really tightly uh, and looked at her. I think that now you've got to think that was 1981. I think now with all the crime stuff and all the stuff, I think that a lot of people would probably take that in a different kind of way. Or I think I do think that people are a bit more aware of these kinds of things. Uh, if, a, if a child or anyone looks to be a bit in need or yeah, has a tell. If something like that happens in 2022, whatever it is now, and you yeah. don't say anything or do anything, you're an asshole. Yeah, that would be kind of crazy, right? But but then I do think that, and who knows, it's a waitress. I'm not sure how old, you know, she could have been 17, 20, 30. I don't know how old she was. But this happened when they eventually got up and left. And as she was like busting the table, she found a napkin under a plate that said, call police, exclamation point, please help me. Oh, my God. God, this woman could have fucking saved a human being from being trafficked or God knows what. Well, make sure stomach turn, right? Because like I said, you don't know in the moment we know now that I think a lot. I think almost anyone would have treated that situation different now. Then she's in this teeny tiny town, teeny tiny diner. It's before there's a lot going on. And maybe she did have that weird, you know, you have those instincts, but we have them for a reason. Maybe she kind of had that gut feeling, but also didn't want to cause a wave or you know who know who knows what was going through her head in the See moment something do something i know but we i mean i don't think that that was a yeah it, wasn't a thing back then. Mm -mm, mm -mm. it was stop then, don't touch so, that gun Remember so that? there's banter yeah there's also stop drop and roll there was a banter about um that maybe this actually because authorities have not really i feel like they don't feel super solid and i don't know why they don't feel super solid that this was Antoinette in the diner Okay, <laughs> let's think about that. Well, who gives a fuck if it's, if it's Antoinette not, or not? Like, it's a human being it? that's. That's being... what I'm saying. Like, if it's not, then now we got somebody else that we're, you know, kind of worried about here. So that was then. This is again another parallel with Elizabeth Smart. If you guys remember that case, and she was actually seen out and about, she went out. They had her for so long. So, again, you know, I like to kind of go into the psychology of this a little bit but there is um, a condition called Stockholm syndrome and it's where if you've been abducted your kidnapper your the assailant is someone that you over time uh, can develop a trust for and you can develop um, um, an attachment to that doesn't mean you don't fear them that doesn't mean you want them to be your your person but you can uh, you can feel this bond with them and it is bizarre to think about but it absolutely happens and it happens all the time and then that's how when people do abduct, abduct these kids they don't kill that they just hang on to over time they can they can actually take them out in public probably not six weeks six months later that's why but I over the letting, course of years that's why i started letting you podcast 
after all these years, guys, you know, if I, I trust to let you, if I let you out in the public, you know what I mean? <laughs> Save me. I feel like you can trust me now. <laughs> that's fucking terrible. Save me. That's real bad. But this, but this again is the parallel with Elizabeth Spar, right? So she was actually, when she was saved, she ran, but she was out with this man and woman and he would talk about unkempt. I mean, he had this crazy hair. It's crazy. He looked dirty and really not put together. Uh, but they had taken her into public more than once. And, and these, Children or even adults in trafficking situations kind of over over the course of a lot of time can can fall into this routine. And uh, I think that there's synonymously like almost a hopelessness in the situation, but also very much so the psychological uh, manufacture that's happened of the Stockholm syndrome where that bond has been has been attached. So if that was the case, that means this was five years later. She was 14 that could have very well happened to where she was kind of still there, but she felt a moment. Let's, let's just say, let's say that that was her in the diner. Uh, and she felt a moment of escape or hope in the moment, you know, in that situation. Yeah. Uh, Damn. this is unsolved. Authorities do believe foul play was involved. Uh, they do believe that she was deceased, but she's never been pronounced dead. So this is also a little nuts. Um, and there's just there's not as much on this as I feel like there needs to be. But three years after her disappearance, they don't say how she was disabled, but but Antoinette had an aunt. It was her father's sister. There was a 25 year old disabled, actually her stepdad's disabled step aunt is how they describe her uh, that disappeared from the same area in Gallup, New Mexico. She was gone for a month found in Juarez, Mexico, one month later, <sighs> alive, and returned home. Wow. And, and, and there's nothing. I keep reading and reading, like, what happened in the time. Did so, yeah, you know, well, like, what's this family involved in? So, exactly. Let me get through a couple of things, and we're going to talk about that, because now we've got a few different um, theories, if you will. We know okay. that um, there's been talk of mom maybe having some drug issues going on uh i still think it's strange that mom's going out till midnight when she's got a nine-year-old a five-year-old and well on that night she did have a babysitter uh she didn't leave oh, alone as far as we know I got yeah. you. that's right she had a babysitter all right that makes me yeah. feel better so there's been talk of traffic uh trafficking is trafficking but the way i think that we look at it now uh think about where they were in, in new mexico arizona got Texas eventually got border like um there have been some some buzz about trafficking over the years uh some of the authorities have kind of fallen into that camp uh mom oh gosh hey yeah, we, we blacked we out there for a second. We buffered. Um, uh, but I was, you were saying, you were talking about trafficking real quick before it went into yeah. haywire mode. Um, it would be very targeted, though, I feel like. Like, you Maybe had to too. know that there were three kids there. Yep. And you had to know which, you had to know that a kid was going to answer the door. Like, if you're the knocking line. on the door, how, how confident, I mean, th put yourself in, in the suspect's shoes. 
I'm going to go knock on a door at three o'clock in the morning and I'm going to expect a nine year old fucking girl that can't fight where the shit or can't do anything that I can silently snatch her from that door with yeah. nobody inside putting a double barrel shotgun in my face and blowing my brains out or making a canoe out of my skull. Like I don't, that's not how that works. Like I, you can't just knock on a door and get lucky. Again, remember that I, I agree. And remember that the neighbors said that they saw a brown van. So if the neighbors saw a brown van between one and three o'clock in the morning, they're on their porch. They're awake. These kids were known to be awake most hours of the night. So maybe it wasn't a relative, but maybe it was someone who knew the family, if that was the scenario. Right. Uh, so we talked about trafficking. We talked about I was just saying that mom uh, at some point during the questioning and, and investigation of all of this did fail a polygraph. So what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I know that they're, they're not super, super reliable, but how would you feel about mom failing one in this situation? What did she, what, what part of the polygraph? There wasn't a lot of, there's not a lot of talk. They didn't really release all of that. It's just literally that she failed the polygraph. So. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I mean, if a question, let me ask you this. Okay. When you said what part of that, say, let's say that they're doing some baseline questions and uh, she let's say she's failing something unrelated to to this. Would that then deem this a failed polygraph or. Do, you know, what I mean, like, would it have to be specifically about Anthonette to be considered. Failed or just across the board, because now you can't trust any of the results. I mean, that's the thing with the polygraph test. There's so many all the baselines, There's so many baseline stuff. There's so many, you know, I mean, anything it's good. You know, if you. I'll tell you right now, if my kid end up missing and you were to say his name, my heart's going to fucking skyrocket. But is, is that not, is that not like, which a, would be a baseline thing, account? right? Like, okay. Okay. We get a baseline thing, but like now you use the word, you know, your child and missing, you know, that might make it spike even higher. I mean, I don't, because you'd be, I would be such an emotional train wreck. Of course, wreck it will. When I don't I know if you could get an accurate baseline. I don't think you could get an accurate baseline. Well, I don't know. There's a lot accurate. of questions I have. I don't really like the polygraph thing, just because it's all dependent on the person administering it. And That's fair, but would it not not also be um, if you're looking at? Uh, and trust me when I say I don't know what I don't know here. So I'm legitimately asking these questions, like. Let's say you're talking about a um, uh, theft. Right. Then let's say you're talking about rape. Let's say you're right. talking about um, some sort of a, a burglary with assault. Then you're talking about kidnapping. Now you're talking about your own missing child who maybe parents can be implicated. Would there not be almost a different baseline, right? Or you're going to you're gonna alter your um, the way the results are viewed or looked at based on those things, right? Like if you're, if you're there for a bank robbery and I ask you something about your kid and your heart rate's not going to spike and whatever that it, it shouldn't, if it's about your missing child and it does, I feel like that's taken into account as they process these results. Right. Yeah. But the, the thing with a polygraph test is like, it's an interrogation tool essentially because they're not going to know what the truth is. They don't know why it spiked. And if you don't come off of it, they're still not going to know the truth. It's not like it, it's the end all be, be all to, there's, and there's a lot of 
there's a lot of things that you can do. And I'm not going to talk about them. There's a lot of things you can do with a polygraph test to, to pass it. But I've got a friend. This is a good example. And I believe this. I believe this friend a lot just because I know of him. I know his religious background. And I've been around him long enough to know of like, I know everything about this kid. Like I know what trouble he's been in and what trouble he hasn't been in. And he wanted to be a cop and he was a goody, goody, goody tissues. I know for a fact he's never smoked pot. I know for a fact he's never right. done any drugs. I know all of these things. He's just that kind of weird kid. But he failed one of his polygraphs under sex, uh, uh, like a, a child sex or a prostitution sex. I'm not sure which one of the sex questions he failed. I thought it had to do with um, uh, multiple partners, like an orgy or something, right? Yes. So the guy came and told me, yeah. he, the guy told me that he failed the polygraph and they just would not stop questioning him about, have you ever had sex with a kid? And he was like, I've never had sex with a kid. And they're like, well, why did, why is on the polygraph? It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. And he wouldn't come off of it to them. And, and, and I guess he inevitably failed. And, and he called me. Yeah, And, and if I remember the story correctly, it was about, remember that, cause they considered it, um, oh, he it had hooked up with a sexual behavior, but he, he had, had like, a he had threesome. hooked up with a girl and they had a threesome with another girl, all consensual, no rape. But because of his religious value, he considered that bad. Yeah. When he thought behavior. when the word sex came in, all he could think bad. about was his deviancy that he had with this. That's what threesome. it was, sexual deviancy. And it fu- and he failed this polygraph yeah. to it, but he never wanted to come off that because they never asked. They didn't ask, have you ever had a threesome? It's just like, have you ever right. engaged in sex or paid for sex? Boom. He hears the word sex and he thinks of the se- sexual deviancy and the shit's like went off the charts or whatever. I don't know. I, like what what the charts read or anything like that. I didn't see right. the polygraph, but I believe this kid, like the kid was so honest that he's willing to call me and have this conversation with me. So, sure. you know, I, I don't think there's I, I a ton know. of weight in it. You know, it's always interesting when a case has gone cold and a child is missing and mom was into some, some certain questionable thing. It. I think that when you look at the, I think that maybe it's when you're looking at the whole picture too, right? Like it's, yeah, you can't just look at it alone. You can't just extrapolate. Polygraph. I don't think you could do a good polygraph with me if I don't think uh, emotionally I'd be able to talk about my kids if they were hurt, injured, disappeared. I, I, I mean, you know, if if you say like, did you have anything to do with the kidnapping? And your, I mean, my my anger and the amount of hate and all the hell I would bring down on this earth if that happened would come. It would just right. fucking blow that machine. Lastro Lopez says, "I hope he's had many three ways since." <laughs> I, I, you know what? I doubt it. Knowing that guy, unfortunately, the one did him in. I think, I think he in. did it one time. I don't think it was his idea either. Maybe it wasn't consensual, but on his part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, disruptors, BC and Ski are in the chats. They say they've worked in the homicide for many years and they don't use. Oh, by the way, congratulations to the Disruptors. Uh, they bought a ghost bed. Not, I, I say it like they as in they're like, Partner, one of the disruptors <laughs> bought a ghost bed recently. I hope you guys like it. So <laughs> sleep so good, it's scary. Mm-hmm. If you sleep on a ghost bed, you'll pass any uh, any polygraph. Any, any polygraph does. They uh, Michael McFile says hashtag him too. Yeah, right. <laughs> he goes it's in front of his therapist. <laughs> They're like, "What trauma brought you here?" And he was like, "I was forced to have a threesome with two beautiful women." <laughs> That's terrible. So, um it's the worst so i you and, know I, but but you know at the same time i do think that uh statistically speaking i i you're not the chances of a person knocking on a door hoping that a child is going to answer it so that he can then kidnap it and then you know come up with this masterful plan to keep it hidden 
and turn it into a Stockholm syndrome. I mean, statistically, I mean, the stars would have to align absolutely perfectly to see that crime out unless you've planned it out some way, somehow better than that, or you're, you're much closer to the family. Agreed. Maybe it wasn't Uncle Joe. Maybe it was Uncle Rico. So because Uncle Rico had a brown van. Don't. We're not even starting that because boo, 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 that gets us into a whole different territory. But actually, Uncle Joe, there was a legitimate Uncle Joe. That's why they say that they thought she opened the door when she heard Uncle Joe, if that's, in fact, what someone said. Uh, he was questioned and uh, immediately, like, just forgotten about. They He had an alibi. He was never questioned. He never thought they never actually considered him. You know, whatever. Yeah, but does Uncle Joe have a friend? Because if the dude, you know, says, hey, well, maybe, Uncle Joe. Well, but again, like you're he, still uh, taking the chance that a child opens the fucking door. No, no, okay. I think someone that knew, I think, okay. My thoughts on this is that maybe it was someone who knew the family and knew them well enough to be able to say, like, ah, it's Uncle Joe. Like, something that the children would respond to. Right. But not necessarily like a, a buddy of Uncle Joe's or maybe a bad guy, but I don't think Uncle Joe had anything to do with it. But I think that so. So that's what I was going to say, Mom. Um, oh, what about this theory that I just had? Mom went out to the bar. Have a couple of drinks. Mm -hmm. Tells two homeboys that he's got that she's got two daughters. That she can't get to go to sleep on time. They're up all the time. They know she's drunk and they know like that she's she's going home and she's oh, going to pass yeah, yeah. out. So they know that mom's too drunk to not be awake. Where's dad in all this? Gone. Both gone. there's okay. two dads for the three girls, and they're she's separated from or gone from all. So of them. now these two guys would know. So wherever she was at that night would be a good place to start. Well, Who did she talk sure. to that night? Because again, you've got to know that one, she's not gonna be answering the door. And two, you gotta know that she's got kids. Know, the disruptors would have been great because they're homicide detectors, detectives, they would have been able to chime in with well, maybe they can about. maybe they can uh debrief this case on their ghost bed tonight <laughs> hey little spoon hey, sweetie, <laughs> hey little spoon, little spoon. who's the uh, little spoon all right so there's also talk that mom had uh, uh mul there were there were people in that house a lot at all hours of the night oh really mm -hmm. well there you go so she would have her buddies over um and not not the cream of the crop. Like a lot of the times, it was a. Uh, again, there was some questionable. So there's not enough people. There, there, there's so many people that they couldn't question everybody and figure figure this out. I mean, I don't know, man. This seems like a case that you could should be able to solve. There should be enough. Mm. You should Did have enough information. Get a screenshot to of Eric's face just then when he froze. Because if please oh. send me that. Send that to oh. my DMs immediately. Okay, well, I'm going to post the picture of when nope. you froze no, no, earlier. Nope, 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 nope. Yep. Okay. Nope. It's nope. happening. Nope. You uh, look like a... I, I look like a baby midget with fluid on my head. So, mom died in 1999 at 46 years old of <laughs> cirrhosis of the liver. Um, so, she was a drinker. Oh, heavy drinker. Okay. So they had to know she was drinking that night, had to know she was passed out. They knew that she wasn't going to answer the door. And they know that she's got two kids. So they're very close to this woman. Close enough. Mm -hmm. I feel like you should be able to bring all those people in and do some pretty badass questions so if you have a good ass. Drew detective. just said, forgive me guys for not being able to see because I am a grandmother, as Hydro Man pointed out. But 
Uh, Drew Breezy just said two of the major kid, missing kid cases where he worked had barfly moms. Both times the kids were murdered. I don't think that that's unheard of. Uh, and again, authorities do without... As, we talk about this all the time. We don't know what they have, what evidence they have, right. what kind of case they may be trying to build. Obviously, they don't have enough they, have they haven't solved the fucking case. They have alluded to the fact, though, again, that they do they do feel like it was foul play. They don't think that she is still alive. They think she was deceased not, not long after uh, going right, missing. But I still think that you should be able to know... You, you, you should... The, the, the killer is known to the family. I agree. I Boom. think so, too. I it's think like it's when I go to church, friend. like if, if I was going to go to church, I know there's one pedophile in the church. And if I was allowed to interview everybody, I'd find the one fucking guy. So let's also so just talk go about and this. question all the people that that woman's got in contact with it, because it's one of them. Keep in mind uh, these two things that we didn't touch on a ton. We, we touched on the aunt that three years later went missing for a month and was found in Juarez, Mexico, alive and came back. Right. Don't have zero details on that. Feel like we need a lot more. Ooh. That is interesting. <laughs> I wonder if she's like, hey, listen, don't kill me. I've got a really good lead for you. I got a piece of shit stepsister. So she was the informant. <laughs> right? Oh. Yeah, that's a good theory. Okay. Um, also, we have the, the They could have just taken Sarah Kelch because she looks like she's nine. Yeah. Hey, Sarah. But, you know... There's also, we have the reservation um, all around. It's a Navajo reservation. There's a, a mm. lot of, of different parts of it, but it's around there, right? And then we do know that uh, there are a lot of, like, reservation. Okay, okay. For instance, um, I have old friends, old dear friends of mine who at some point in the last few years uh, adopted a newborn baby from a mother and father that were from a reservation uh, somewhere in the United States. And they are, in, you know, they, it was all on the up and up and it's all very quiet and private because their biggest fear is that before the child is 18, that at some point the reservation, because reservations have different laws, uh, um, is that they could right. come back uh -huh, and they have different laws than, than, than we have in terms of those kinds of things. So, so this child was, Biracial uh, mom was Navajo. So, I mean, there are just a lot of different thoughts and theories on what could have happened. Um, is this cold? Has been like reopened? Or are they like, I don't know. They it's currently, like this one shouldn't be that right difficult now? to solve. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Is, is anybody working it as a cold case? Yeah. No, it's not. It just says that it's been, that it's to this day unsolved and that um, it's just that they believe she's deceased. I wouldn't be surprised if whoever did it. If, if it's not a situation of them, like an Elizabeth Smart, right? If it's not a situation where they, they have her and they're just keeping her, then I think she was dead pretty quickly. And I think it's very likely, given the history of a lot of these characters, that whoever did it could be dead at this point, too, very easily. Uh, again, mom died at, you know, 46 years old. This was the company she kept, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess that would be, I mean, I guess that would be it, too. I don't know. It's just, yeah, you hate it when you, when you got something like this, that's, uh, I mean, it just seems like it should be a solvable crime. I mean, it's, it seems like, you, you know, you, you, if you've talked to anybody that she's talked to, one of those guys is the fucking killer. It's not like, you know, when we have the, the girls on the bridge, you know, like that mm -hmm. one's tough because you don't know if they knew that person or not. But like in this one, I'm, I'm pretty, I feel like 90% sure that 
whoever did this has to know them personally. Or well, I had contact with Klein, her at the bar we talked or about been to the house. Oh, now you're back on this one. I thought you were still talking about Delphi. No, Ooh. no, no. But Delphi, it seems like they're making some good progress. On Delphi so Q. that's, I want to ask you about that. Let's change gears a little bit. We can, we can continue to talk about this, but that's kind of all I have um, in terms of the presentation of this. Ooh, sorry, y'all. There was just an earthquake in Wilmington, evidently. Um, was it really? Yes, my knee hit my desk oh. from Hobby Lobby. Trying to show those knees off again. I'll see what you're trying to do. Trying to get them, trying to get them super chats generated by showing some knees. So Delphi, if you guys saw the terrible reel I made, I hate making those and Eric makes me. So I, I need you guys to know that. Stockholm syndrome. Um, Lumber Chef, get out of the chats, Lumber Chef. We do not know any PI that should be on this case. Get out of here. Big old PI Jim Terry's on the case. He'd be like, the problem was his mom was a lesbian dyke. She was a fucking dyke. Okay. Her mom was a dyke, an alcoholic, and the girl was gay, and that's why they took her. She was a Mormon gay Navajo, and the Navajos didn't want her. <laughs> that's Jim Terry. That's my Jim Terry impression. <laughs> I swear if he made t-shirts with my face on it and sold it at my kid's school like he did for that other chick. Dude, that would be fucking rad. I'd buy one. I'd fucking wear it. I would I wear it would, on I'd... this show. I would wear it on this show. I would wear a picture <laughs> of your face on my shirt. I'd murder him. Um, you have it here, folks. So, <laughs> but on Delphi, uh, and I did, that's what I was saying, that you make me do these reels. I don't want to do them, y'all. I'm not a podcaster by nature. I just get on here to talk to y'all. Um, and Keegan Klein was the guy that was catfishing for that, uh, the guy that you liked so much. Remember, because you'd already told me how cute he was. The one from Alaska, the cop who did the TikToks. Because you love the TikTok cops. The influencer I've never told cops. you that a man was cute ever. Yeah. You said that you thought it was really neat that cops were taking the TikTok grab and like. I've never said Trying that. to be not sexy on to, Instagram. Not once in my life have I, have I ever said that. Ever. Um, so. Keegan was a very pale, unfortunate looking man who, or is currently, he's not dead, uh, big boy. And he and his father lived together and he had a ton of, they, I, I talked about it during the show uh, when we covered the Delphi murders that there was, I think gosh, 96 pages of transcripts or something I read through. There was so much and just tons and tons and tons and tons of child porn. And he he was even seen uh, peeking in a window of a middle school girl. What, like a week after this happened or something like really? So they now it's been what was that? 2007. So it's been five years and they are now searching. Now, he was indicted on the charges for child porn and he's been looked at as a suspect for the being the guy that says, do you guys remember that says down the bridge? Down and then the he bridge. says, guys, down the bridge. Um, or down the hill, excuse me, down the hill. And so remember, because we did the whole debate on is that hair or hat? Hair or hat. We came right. to that it's hair. And he or his father could have mm -hmm. been implicated in that. We kind of looked at both pictures. But anyway, now they have been searching the river in front of his house. They've been dragging and searching the river in front of his house. Uh, they already have the bodies. We're not looking for the bodies. But what at this point, I want to ask you that. They've never released how they died. Again, I I, I still stand, I still think um, 
They're knife. stabbed a bunch of mm-hmm. I think times. knife. They, ne- they never said they were shot. They just said they couldn't talk about it. They did say right. there's a lot of blood. I think it was a knife. Yeah. We know that the bodies were staged, uh, at least moved a couple of times in the same area and posed and staged. And we know that a couple of souvenirs were taken. That's all we know about the actual crime scene. So what, like, what's the likelihood of a knife? I don't know the current of this river. I don't know much about that geography, but, or the topography of the land there, but what would be Ridge one, five, two, we got your $5. Your test went through. Yeah. So, um, show him, uh, show him your kneecap. Give him what he wants. Stockholm syndrome. Oh, guys, are you looking at the camera? (laughs) 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 but you know so what would they be what's reasonable that they could still be looking for five years later in that that reasonable to try to find the knife like maybe trying to find the um, shoes whatever i mean you know uh i train with i mean i'm loosely on a dive recovery team but i don't um I, i don't do much uh except support them um but I did make it onto the team and do the tryout stuff and do all the things, but I'm just more of a support role. Um, but they die for evidence. They die for these types of things. And I mean, you can literally be diving for, for all sorts of things, but you know, depending on how big it's a lake you said, or is it, what is river. it? A river. Trying to find a knife in a river. I mean, you're talking, I'm saying there's a current. You're talking a long time, man. I mean, I don't know. Uh, would be a lot. It'd be a lot. Breezy said, "Order the angel shot." They're all trying to help me escape you. Um, that's a good idea. Hydroman Blue said to put a dot on my hand and hold it up to the camera. <laughs> Listen, you're, who told you to get on the pen? Who told you that you could have a pen or a marker? <laughs> uh, Sarah Kelch wants to know how much for Mike and Transy to kidnap you. Um, not me, her. Y'all can yeah, I know. To kidnap Sarah? I'd kidnap Sarah. Fucking put her in my briefcase, carry her around with me. Every time put I get bored, your, just yeah, you could. open it like a, like a kitten, like a lost kitten. You just open it up and look at it and be like, oh, look at her little kitten inside my briefcase. And then like zip it back up and give it a little treat or something. Carry it around your police car. You know, we've all done it. We've all found that little kitten that we wanted to drop off the Humane Society to be euthanized later. But we drive around it with their car for a little while because it's so darn cute. <laughs> And we drop it all pretending like it's not going to get euthanized Sarah? in the next few days. That's that's what I would do with Sarah. I tell my kids all the time I'm going to leave them at a safe place. You know, like Just at the fire. Drive her around for a little bit and then have her euthanized. Sarah, you walked right into that. People are sending me inboxes of our screenshot of when it was frozen. So, Well, that's great. Um, when are we? Not, I thought it was going to be bad of you, and it's actually not. It's it's it's, there's, it's hard to get a bad picture of me. It's it's almost impossible. Also not true. It's almost impossible. Um, what? When are, are we when do you think we're going to get an update on on the Delphi murder case? I check all the time. Honestly, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I mean, that's anybody's guess. You know, there's no way to know that. I I know that that was the most recent. That's the first time, and that's kind of how I put it. And th- you know, when I try to describe it, we don't know how much that case has been moving or not moving since then. Um, yeah. I don't think that they've ignored it. I don't think it's just gone cold. I, that's I, another one of those cases that just just drives me bonkers, man. To, it's like, like it's, you know, I yeah. know that they probably have the best minds on it, you know, but I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, why don't you grab a pool of detectives that want to volunteer? 
and release that information to them because there's a lot of that video left. And, there, and, and this has got to be one of those cases it, that you just got to look at it. From it was a three minutes angle. long and we got we got down the hill and then uh, yeah, no, however seconds. many months later, we got guys down the hill. Uh-huh. But there's a reason they're holding it, right? Like I right. have to trust that there's a reason they're not. Yeah, but after five years, come on. Yeah, I I, I do think. There's I'm just saying it drives me nuts. Since I'm not saying they don't know what they're doing. It's but oh, it's no. like it, 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 it makes candy. me I... mad because I'm like, fuck, man, let's solve this case. But you know, here's the thing too with it with that. Can I go uh, to Delphi? Let's go to Delphi. Let's fucking solve this case. We just walk through the doors. We just kick in the doors. We're like, you know who the fuck the we land. are? Can they be double doors? Yeah, double doors. We walk in. They're like, and we're like, you know who the fuck we are? And then like the one detective already knows, and he's like, oh no, oh no, failure stops know. here. We're like, give us the documents. They're like, chief. And they're like, no, nah, give them the documents. You've got seventy. You got seventy-two hours, guys, to crack the case. And then you know we're on it. And of course, we crack the case, but. um Wolfpack assemble is what somebody says in the chat. It's difficult to look at pictures. Who's doing the art for the book, by the way? You guys, um, you, oh man, okay. Well, but no, I'm, what I'm saying is, is uh, um, Kegels or Keegan, Ke- yep. Ke- <laughs> Kegel boy. Uh, the fact that he had so much fucking child pornography, why don't we just end him? You and remember? The yeah, he shouldn't even be here. It's like the like, case. Why, why, why is he even still? Shouldn't even have like, breath. Just nope. fucking nope. Just get okay. rid of him. Just on pro- like. Okay, maybe he killed her, maybe he didn't, but he's got all this child <laughs> pornography and all this, you know, wretched stuff. And his dad's kind of a suspected pervert. So let's just fucking end that bloodline where it lies. Like, don't let those Not guys recreate, procreate. So I kind of lost my train of thought there. But yeah, I, I don't know. Keegan. Yeah, he shouldn't be here. Oh, he's the one that said, do you remember how he said, um, when the cop was going over and over when I was reading those transcripts about um, juveniles and about uh, and exploitation and he had so many, but he would talk about the girls that were like uh, 12, 13, 14. And when they mentioned younger girls, like five to eight or nine, oh, right. he right. felt, remember how he got like indignant and, uh, and was just like, absolutely not. That's too, you like, I would never do that. That's too young, whatever. Uh, oh, super bizarre. That was, that was a gross one. Golly. Well, yeah. this is, a, this is just a strange case, but it's just like one of those ones where it's like, I wonder, I wonder if this just didn't get solved because it's in a small, uh, you know, under budget town. Like, again, you don't have, you know, this isn't the movies. It's not like, right. um, you got your star studded cast. You don't have BC and ski working, working the disappearance, the missing person here. It's, it's one of those things that makes me wonder that what if you did have a big city detective that went down there that actually solved cases, not the, not the FBI guy that just went through all the schoolhouses, but like a real right, right, fucking with detective with some real experience went down there and shake some feathers, you know, get a real Jim Terry in there. And well, me and you and Jim go. Yeah. And we'd then they're going to find Jim. We'd have, two, we'd have two missing people. You and that girl. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Drew Brees says DNA wasn't prevalent and not collected the same as today. Yeah, I mean, back then it wouldn't have. Uh, Disruptor says we've cleared cases from the 70s yeah, because we held info that only, only the, the killer, killer would know. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, again, it's, I, you have to trust that they know, but at the same time, you do wonder, right? Like, you wonder, like, is yeah. it. 
Uh, and with the Delphi one, man, that just that that case bugs tough. me to hell. This one, this one tough. bugs me too. But this one bugs me too. But those are these. Well, are the two that one cases. is just a little. Delphi is a little more recent, and we had the technology. We have uh, the you know the, all the the DNA technology, all the all the things that we didn't have for Antoinette's case at the time. Now we can rerun these things at this point, uh, if if anyone were to do so. But Delphi is just a little bit more recent, and uh seems and that was in much smaller town even and uh, uh it was wild wild yeah. but for real quick you guys if you haven't been following haven't been looking at uh reels and stories and chats and all the things we're trying to up that we're trying to uh really kind of bring i can't even say we eric's doing a great job of it i do it when he tells me to because he i have stockholm and so i do what he asks but Mm-hmm. The difficult to look at pictures was in the chat tonight. And if you guys have seen any of the artwork that's going to go into the book, uh, that's who to thank for it. And it has been, it has blown my mind the way I feel like he's read your mind mm-hmm. with the way you depict the stories. And I mean, a series here, this isn't even a plug. I mean, definitely go support the guy. But it's when you first even mentioned artwork, I had not envisioned the book from even years ago reading on it and talking about it years ago, I had not envisioned artwork. And when you said, Hey, I I really kind of like this guy's style. Uh, I'd like to put these in between the chapters to kind of like, you know, one picture to sum up a chapter. And I I don't know, like it's, I think it's your, your, the way your narrative of your stories makes the book, but then this artwork just like is the icing on the cake. It's fantastic. So yeah, you know, I read a book when I was a kid, it was a Robinson Caruso and before each chapter, it had an image from the chapter, like a sketch, like a pencil sketch of the chapter, you know, so like him getting on his little fake boat and it yeah. you know, stinking and stuff like that. And I remember that. And, and I think, I don't know. I just like when I was, when I finished this book, um, when I had finished writing it and was waiting to get it out for editing, uh, I, I said like the only thing I think that this book needs while it's getting edited is, is the artwork. And, uh, and there were two guys, there's this one guy that paints with coffee and then there was Jonathan Bates. And um, I kind of looked at the both of them. And I didn't know which one I was going to message first. Um, and uh, I, I just thought like the comic book aspect. And it was really this drawing that uh, Jonathan did. And, and I, you can follow him at Difficult to Look at Pictures on Instagram. Yeah, it was a picture of a police officer with bloody knuckles. It was like a black and white picture. And they just had this one cop with with bloody knuckles and i thought yeah. man what a powerful image that is and and, and it's a like comic book kind of thing and I, I really like comic books growing up as a kid and uh and so i asked him to do the artwork and he said he would uh and the funny thing is though is that it's like you know he's yeah he's like he's like the first artist yeah, he's like the second artist i've ever worked with <laughs> Sorry, but i didn't difficult to look at pictures said let me see that coffee guy is probably better than me <laughs> well <laughs> well you got the book so yeah, I, I just I think this is uh, you know I, I think I, I think you're right though the pictures are the definitely the icing on the cake. I can't Man. wait to get this book out. I've got a really great meeting this week. I'm not gonna I'm say who. Done. It's I'm almost done. But um, I got a really great meeting this week, and um, hope you know hopefully it goes well. I'm, I'm pretty much sold in my brain though that I do not want to have a publisher, um, even though I do have a meeting with with a publisher. I, I think in my brain, no matter what, I think I want to self publish just because I I, I can. And I like the work ethic involved in self-publishing and I don't really want to pay somebody else to do my work. You know, I've already done the, ed- like the editors, I've already hired the ev- editors, you- yourself being one of those editors, you know, um, 
I don't know, but we'll see. It's we'll it's, see. it's exciting that we even get to have a, a meeting. Sean with, Kelly with said, "Who's so. going to play you in the movie?" And Lumbershev said, "Mark Wahlberg." Um, yeah, I, I think Wahlberg would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I think if somebody was going to play me in a movie, though, Ugh. it would have to be Keanu Reeves. But like Keanu Reeves from back in uh, Keanu Reeves from Point Break. Yep. And if you made the book, it'd be Pamela Anderson. Oh God! At the age she is right now, because it's like the same age as you. Just <laughs> looking. <laughs> oh, well, that was a wonderful episode. Um, I got to get you back to your dungeon, put you back in your cage. Who let you on this podcast? Chain me up. Chain her back up. Um, no, thank you. That was a, a really great episode. It's one of those episodes that leaves me with more questions, questions. than answers. Um, That's how it always is when we do. Do we know why this story made it like so big, and why it's like such a trending case? Is it just because people feel the same way I do that like the the killer has to be known to the family, or or they were in contact? I would go as far as to say that night. It's whoever she was hanging out with that night in my brain. Uh, maybe, but she, I said she had people in and out um, of that home often. Yeah, but it had to be that night to know that she was drunk that night. She was drunk. She wasn't I don't think she was just drunk that night. I don't think this night was an anomaly. Like, I'm not... So she's paying a babysitter every night? I don't think she is. I think there's a reason that nine-year-old was in there. It wasn't because what your child does or my oldest child does where we're trying to teach them responsibility and independence. I think this child kind of had to be. Right. Right. Um, So... Uh, I, I don't know why. It's not like super trending right now. No, but it did make Unsolved Mysteries back then. But that would have made sense in the timeline, right? Because this happened right. in 1986. So you think late 80s, early 90s for Unsolved Mysteries. So it did make that. And in a lot of these cases, if you go down the Reddit rabbit holes and things like that, these these kind of stay, especially these unsolved ones. People kind of really want to get their teeth in there and, and try to figure it out. Uh, but yeah, not super trendy, but it's still very much prevalent and it's out there and it and these always leave us with more questions than answers because you think you think they'll solve it with technology or anything like that i would assume by now i'm always hopeful i'm always like hopeful. 23 no, and me and all this true. other I mean, shit like, that they would find her like through like some kind of dna type things if she was still around if she's porking out children or whatever oh i don't think she is well if she's well you don't think she's alive no no it sucks. She could be. She could be. But if she is, she's not. Uh, if she is, she is not here. That's my that's my call. If she's alive, she's not. Uh, I think she's in Mexico. Mm. Mm. You know, but we've we've we have solved. Or we could it be one cool. of the dads? Oh, got him. Who? The mosquito. Oh, well, that's I thought um, you solved the case. I was really excited. Mm-mm. So. You know, and, and we have, and we've talked about this and that one capacity that I kind of worked alongside some people who were doing these kinds of things, right? And there have been a few cases that have been, that did go just completely cold. They won't call this cold. They just say unsolved. So I I do think it's st- still being worked. I'm not sure if that, is that right? Is that, would that be the lingo? Like if they don't say cold or is someone still maybe hanging on to a folder somewhere? Uh, but the technology that changed what was it first in 92 for dna and things like that and then again and then again uh, exponentially kind of like everything else they've gone on to solve cases uh 
is this one or, or older with that. So I so I can't say that it won't be solved. It just depends on right. how much time and effort's being put into it currently. Hmm. Well, I appreciate you bringing us and delivering us another really great true crime. Um, real quick news before we head out of here. One, go support our sponsors. Support Manscaped. Use that promo code Wolfpack. Don't want your bowels to be all bushy for the fall. That 20% off deal is badass, especially for the Manscaped yeah, 4.0 kit. It takes off a lot of fucking cash. Uh, I did it. I've got I've got my Manscaped 4.0 package. Got to use my own promo code as a gift. They sent me one. But then I get they sent us two. I gifted out two of them. Got my own using my own promo code. Just make sure it works for you guys. And it does. So um, but we will not be live next Tuesday. We will be pre-recording because yes, Andrea I and I are joining Breaking Benjamin to the Allison Chains show, uh, which Bush. will be a guest and Bush. Um, I'm just there to see Jason shred on his guitar and uh, potentially party with him Absolutely. afterwards, make some bad poor life decisions. <laughs> I don't know. See if he takes me on his tour bus, has his way with me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to be a groupie for the night. We'll see what happens, but we will be doing a show. It'll go out. Um, and we'll probably be in the chats at the concert, but you can follow us. Uh, you, you can follow us that night on Instagram. We can try. We will be doing lots of stories. Yeah. That night. So um, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. So. That'll be fun. And if you're going to the Bragan Benjamin show in Raleigh, North Carolina, hit us up. We'll try to find you guys. I'll try to send you pictures of us having a really good time backstage. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I don't even know if he's going to take us backstage or not, but uh, we are excited to go hang out with him for the night. I'm I'm as giddy as a schoolgirl. Can't wait to get my Nickelback shirt. I've been wanting a Nickelback shirt for a long time anyway. That was pretty, y'all, that was pretty, uh, pretty dope when we're chatting with Jason and Eric said. Yeah, we were on the porch. Why? Are you putting me on the phone with the keyboard player of Nick? The keyboard, the keyboard player of Nickelback. <laughs> he laughed really loud. It was pretty. Yeah, funny. somehow we didn't get kicked out of that. I was, on the show. I was drunk. So, I'm just what? waiting to see if we get catfished. Like we show up, we're ready to go, and the guy's like, <laughs> like, so never, like "Who are you? <laughs> you guys have been talking to me for like months and shit, and I'm not even that guy." It's you Keegan know? Klein. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Got you, Birch." <laughs> This isn't Breaking Benjamin. This is a JoJo concert. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, All right, that's... guys. What? Again, I feel like that's more like how that's going to go. Yeah. We're going to show up. We'll just be like, we're like, no, listen, we're waiting on Jason. We know him. We know him. They're like, oh, sure you do. <laughs> oh, you got you got had by that guy again. <laughs> that's me, Fuck, bitches. Man. <laughs> oh, All right, guys. <laughs> well, until next time. Shave those bushes, those bushy bushes with Manscaped promo code Wolfpack and sleep so good it's scary on your ghost bed. Ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Guns up, kitty up. <laughs> good night, y'all. <laughs>